0: Okay, so as we mentioned this morning, we're starting a new series, and we're looking at a series of just-as statements that the Lord Jesus made. It's obviously a a comparative statement. If something begins with just-as, it's a comparison to to something else. And a lot of the statements that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks are statements of Jesus saying, just-as the Father, and then followed by so-I, so It's Jesus comparing himself to his father. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks is that Jesus equates himself with the father many times. And he sets himself as equal with him. I think straight away that it's useful for us to to know that. Because it means we can refute the claim that's sometimes raised by various people. That um, it's said that Jesus never claimed to be God. People will say Jesus never said the words I am God, or anything like that, but there are multiple occasions, and we'll, we'll look at some of them over the next few weeks, where Jesus clearly stated his claim to be um, divine and to be uh, in equality with God. And we'll see that his Jewish listeners, when he said these statements, were in no doubt that that's exactly what he was claiming. He was claiming that he was um, one with God, and he had a special relationship with God the Father. So that's the the plan for the next series and today's passage is John chapter 5 and um, verse 19 to 24 and the just as phrase is found in verse 21 so look out for that as we as we read it now so John chapter 5 verse 19 Jesus gave them this answer very truly I tell you The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son, does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. And we'll, we'll leave our reading there. So the just as phrase, just as the Father raises the dead, even so the Son gives life. That's what we're looking at today. So it's, it's really a question of authority, isn't it? Um, Jesus is saying that it was well understood by his listeners that the Father was the one who gives life. And he's saying in the same way, um, so am I able to do that. And this was something that was very offensive and, and challenging to, to those Jewish leaders who were listening to him. Just for a little bit of context on what we've just read. We've read earlier, or we read earlier in this chapter that Jesus had healed a disabled man on the Sabbath. And the Jewish leaders thought that he was in violation of the Sabbath law. As we know, they were very precious and protective of of what they saw to be their interpretation of the law. And they were, um, to the extent that they would place a heavy burden on the the Jews who were under their authority. And incidentally, um, their interpretation of the law often conveniently left many loopholes for them to exploit for their own benefit. So whilst they placed heavy burdens on some people, those in positions of authority and power could could exploit their interpretation of the law for their own benefit. So once again, we see that the Jewish leaders had this obsession with the law and even over and above, showing love and kindness for those in need, they were saying, you can't heal this man on the Sabbath because it's against our law. So it was a complete coldness and and. Again, an obsession with what they saw to be um, the Jewish law. Um, In the verses before the passage we read, um, in verse 16, it says that the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. We're not told what form that persecution takes. But it's clear that the Jewish leaders were challenging Jesus on, on the things he was doing and the claims he was making. And Jesus' response, which is what we've read, or we've read part of it this morning, um, it surprises them and it enrages them. Um, in verse 17, it says, in, Jesus, in his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. That's something that would have particularly uh, enraged them as they listened to him, because in saying that, Jesus is saying, Just as God the Father is not bound by the Sabbath, so it is with me. And so the implication which the listeners certainly would have got from that is that Jesus was equating himself with God. And hence it says in verse 18, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him because to them this was a blatant, blasphemous thing to say. Um, When Jesus says he's not bound by the Sabbath, just as the Father isn't bound by the Sabbath, this is a claim to be God. So that's just a bit of context and background to what we're looking at today, this just-as statement. Um, We're going to be examining Jesus' authority and we'll see that the Son is fully God and he has the power and authority to give life. Um, But at the same time, we'll see that he only does what is in accordance with the Father's will. So we'll just explore that um, a little bit this morning. So first of all, in verse 19, we have that that expression that Jesus says, the Son can do nothing by himself. So the question that that raises is, was Jesus dependent on God? And if so, does this undermine the deity of the Son? If the Son can do nothing by himself, that implies a a dependence, doesn't it? A reliance on God, the Father. I think uh, a helpful thing for us to consider when we look at this is the idea of dependence with equality. So those two things run alongside each other. I think we can say from what we read that the son is dependent on the father, but there's also an equality there. Philippians 2 and 6 to 10, a well-known passage which um, deals with this kind of subject. I think it explains it really well for us. Um, We won't read it now, but... uh, um, In verse 6 it says that Jesus was in very nature God. I think that's a really important thing for us to start with because it it tells us clearly that Jesus wasn't some kind of demigod as we we read about in other faiths in this world. He wasn't a merely human offspring of a divine God. It says categorically, very clearly, he's in very nature God. So we can be in no doubt that the Son was God. But then it goes on to say in the Philippians um, passage, Philippians 2, 6 to 10, he did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Or other, other translations would say something to be asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. Or another version says he did not consider equality with God, something to claim to. All these ideas of, of lording it over others, of as, asserting his authority, As one equal with God, or clinging to it as if it was something that could be lost. Those are not things that are applicable to to the Son. But rather, it says, He made Himself nothing, He humbled Himself, and became obedient. So, alongside each other, there we have the idea that the Son was in very nature God, there's no doubt about it. And yet, He made Himself nothing, He humbled Himself, and He became obedient. So Jesus, we can say, was fully God with all the power and authority that comes with that. But in taking on humanity, he humbled himself or he emptied himself, as some versions say, and he became obedient for our sake. Some other helpful verses with with this idea of um, dependence with equality. Um, Our passage is in John today, and and in John chapter 1, Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. <clears throat> in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So again, we have it there, an, un- an unequivocal statement of Christ's deity. So we read about that, that phrase, In the beginning. Which is to say, before the world had been made, before any of the things we read in the Gospels had happened, of course. Um, Though he hadn't yet taken on human flesh, he hadn't been through the incarnation. Um, We read that he was there in the beginning with the Father. And not only that, but all things were made through him. So the Son eternally there with the Father and being um, part of that, that work of creation, that miracle of creation. Some of the quickfire verses which help us to, to see that um, the Son did indeed have the authority of God. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." We'll touch on that one a bit later as well. Matthew 11:27, "All things have been committed to me by my Father." And then Ephesians 1 and 20. Um, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the wanted to, to come. And then finally, a key verse for today's topic, John 17 and 2. For you, that's the Father, granted him, that's the Son, authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. So a few verses there which hopefully are helpful for for getting this idea of, of the authority of the Son being given to him by the Father. And I think from these verses we can say that Jesus does indeed have authority over all things, including the power to give life. But this authority has been given to him from the Father. So again, this idea that there's an equality with God, but also a dependence on God. And it's something we see throughout Jesus' time on earth, isn't it? And it's a picture for us and an example for us of dependence and submission. So Jesus was and is fully God and yet he was able to submit to his father and he had a dependency on him whilst he was here on earth. Just to to finish off that point, um, that phrase in verse 19 of of our passage today um, where it says the son can do nothing by himself, he can do only what he sees his father doing. It's reminiscent, isn't it, of the words of the young boy Jesus when he said, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I think that's really helpful for understanding that, that phrase. He can only do what he sees his father doing. It's saying that the son, he was so um, united with the father and so one with the father and had such a, a love for the father that he must be about his father's business and he must be doing what the father does. So there's that, that unity and that oneness between the Father and the Son. And from that we can say that the unity of the Trinity means that the Son cannot act independently of the Father, but the will of the Son is inseparable from that of the Father as well. So, moving down to um, verse 21 of our passage, it says, The Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And verse 22, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So the next question for our passage is, is it God the Father or God the Son who gives life? Because we've seen that the Father has given the Son all authority. So the question is, is is it God the Father or God the Son who gives life? Well, we see evidence of, of Jesus giving life in several different ways in the Gospels. As we've mentioned in this same chapter, Jesus was able to to heal the disabled man. Elsewhere in the Gospels we read that Jesus raised a man from the dead. He raised Lazarus, didn't he, from the dead. Displaying that power and authority that he had over, over life and death. And of course, as we've been thinking this morning, ultimately Jesus conquered the grave and he demonstrated that he had mastery over death. And therefore he has the authority to give us eternal life. And we, we remember those famous words that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then in Revelation 1 and 18, it says of the son, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So it seems then that the son has the power and authority to give life. But then in verse, if we go down to verse 30 of John chapter 5, it's an interesting um, expression that, that Jesus says. He says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So that seems to kind of contrast, doesn't it, at first with, with what we've been saying. If Jesus has all this power and authority, then why is he so dependent on the Father? I think that's a key thing that that we read often of Jesus that although he has authority and power given to him he will always come back to and stress his dependence on the Father. And it's the perfect model for us as disciples of the Lord Jesus and as as those who want to be pleasing God. If the Son himself the one who we've, we've seen had all power and authority and was divine in himself was willing and able to submit to the Father then how much more Should we be willing to submit to the will of God as well? This idea of submission is something that that Jesus really exemplifies for us. And it's something that that is throughout the Bible, particularly in in the New Testament. um, The idea of submission is spoken about a lot in reference to disciples. Um, We're called in God's word to submit to the authorities of this world. And notably, there's no caveats to that. There's no, um, as long as it, aligns with with your ideas or or anything like that. We're called simply to to submit to the authorities of this world. Something that's very challenging, isn't it, when we we get frustrated with with some rules sometimes that we have to follow, but it's there in God's word to submit to the authorities. Um, We have the the idea of wives submitting to husbands. We have an instruction for younger ones to submit to older ones. And of course, we're to submit to God himself. So what can we say about those kinds of submission well none of them should imply any kind of inferiority or superiority but rather just as the son was able and willing to submit himself to the father although he was himself god in the same way we should be willing to submit to to those who we who we need to submit to so they're symbols of humility just as the son himself was humble so we're to be humble and submissive So coming back to that question, is it, is it the father or the son who gives life? Well, it seems that from what we've read, there's no separating the son's will from the father's will. So we could say that the son's choosing is the same as the father's choosing. So it really makes that question irrelevant. It, there's no point in us going round in our heads trying to decipher, is it the son or the father who's, who's um Making these decisions and these choices to, to give life to some and not to others. But the Father, the Son and the Spirit are of one mind. So the choosing of one is the choosing of the others. And it's something that makes our calling to salvation even more amazing, isn't it? A few months ago we were looking at the book of Romans and, and we read um, what can be a challenging chapter in chapter 9. Where we read of um, the, truth, the challenging truth of election. And the idea that it's not through anything of our own efforts or our own cleverness that we put our faith in Christ and we, we come to know salvation, but rather it's God's choosing. And I think this passage that we're considering today helps us to appreciate that all the more. It's, it's in God's choice that we've been, we've been brought to him and we've been chosen to, to have eternal life from him. And not only that, but it's, it's the united mind of the Father, Son and Spirit that has chosen us. And when we add to that the fact that we were chosen before we'd any, ever done anything good or bad, before the foundation of the world, it's something that um, really makes us feel special, doesn't it, and, and feel chosen. This idea that the, the Trinity chose us before the foundation of the world. So it's something that, that can really help us appreciate um, God's love for us. Perhaps sometimes when we think of the Gospel, we can think, well, it was the Father's idea, the Father's plan, if you like, And then he used the son and the son did his part in dying for us and, um, being raised again. And then the father again uses that to call those whom he wishes to salvation. So we have this idea of two separate agents. I think that can, um, that can perhaps be the wrong way to think of it. And I think the passage we're reading today shows us that we're not really ought to think of the father and son as separate agents doing their separate things, but rather, um, as two members of the trinity and of course the spirit's involvement is is in salvation as well it was the the plan and the the will of the trinity um, that it all comes together in this way and that the the plan for salvation involved the father son and spirit in equal measure so let's not think of of the son merely as a, a sacrifice that was necessary to complete the father's will but rather the father son and spirit all have this this will that that those who were chosen would, would be saved through God's plan for salvation. So we thought of the authority and the power of the Son being given to him by the Father. And that idea of equality with dependence. And we thought of the united mind of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. And that it's, it's the choosing of the Trinity and not of, of just the Father that means that we're called to be saved. And just just to finish, really, uh, one final thought. Um, One of the verses we read earlier, Matthew 28 and 18, it's the words of Jesus saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. So this is, of course, after Jesus has died and been raised again. And it seems like the, the context suggests that when Jesus says this, this phrase, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, it's, it's like a, um, a final exaltation of, of the Son's power and authority. Um, as we said, the power and authority that he had, he had um, from the beginning. And it wasn't just at this moment that he came to, to have this power and authority. But it seems as, as though this, this act of conquering death once and for all and um, being raised again, it's the final declaration that, so that there can be no doubt of the son's power and authority. We have, in this country, a, a coronation coming up, don't we, very soon? We have uh, King Charles is going to be crowned and it will be a declaration of his authority as king. But he's already king, isn't he? He's been king for a few months now and he's had that authority of a king. But I think we can say that the coronation... Is an undeniable and official declaration of that authority to the world so if it's not too much of a stretch to to take that analogy um, to to what we're considering today we can perhaps apply a similar line of thinking to the Son, because the verses we've read have said that um, the son even before he was incarnated has always had that authority and power as part of the trinity but when he he died on the cross and when he took on our sin And was raised again and and triumphed over death. Um, He defeated death once and for all. And he displayed his full power and authority to give life. John 10 and 18 has the words of Jesus where he said, I have authority to lay it down and take it up again. So it was perhaps the demonstration of the power and the authority that the son had. And of course the fulfilling of the plan for salvation when, when Jesus was raised again from the dead. As it says in Philippians 2, God exalted him to the highest place. So again, it's this idea of, of the, the, the son finally being raised to, to his exalted position that, that he deserves. And if we grant that analogy, we can perhaps finish by saying that the phrase in Matthew 28 and 18 was the son's first decree after this declaration of his, his power and authority. When he said, go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. So now that death had been defeated once and for all and, um, and that plan of salvation had been brought to completion, um, one of the first things that the Son says after his resurrection is, is to make disciples of all the nations. So we see there it was the will of the Son and the Father and the Spirit to spread that good news and to, to give the gift of life to all those who, who had been chosen. So just something wonderful for us to, to finish with. Um, we have that picture that we have Jesus conquering death, being raised from the dead, and his, his decree to those who would follow him was to make disciples of all the nations and to spread that, that eternal life message. So, just to recap, we've thought of the authority and the power of the Son. It's something that was received from the Father, but it doesn't in any way compromise the, the deity of the Son. We have that idea of equality with dependence. We've considered that the Son's choosing is is, um, inseparable from the Father's choosing. And when we were chosen to be saved, it was the choice of the Trinity, and not just of God the Father, but the Son and the Spirit. And it was a choice that was made before the foundation of the world. And we've we've thought, haven't we, of, of how Jesus conquered death and dealt with our sin... And he, um, in doing that, he was exalted to his rightful place. And he, um, as the conqueror and the one who would, who would ultimately dealt with sin and death, um, he he decreed to those who listened to spread the good news, and to to spread that news of eternal life to all those who would who would accept it. So hopefully that's been um, something useful and um, thought provoking for for the idea of the authority of the Son and the. The unity of the Trinity. Um, Three persons of one mind. But um, always working for, for our good. Shall we pray?